name's Bond. James Bond. What do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Grow up, 007. <laughs> this never happened to the other fellow. I'm the money. Every penny of it. So you put your money where your mouth is. It's quite a nice little nothing you're almost wearing. I approve. I'll do anything for a woman with a knife. And then he's bald with a nether bucket! Kill Bond, now! To the right! To the right! To the right! Shocking, positively shocking. You get your clothes on, I'll buy you a nice trade. <laughs> Welcome to Double Oz 7 for a very special return broadcast. This is the first time we brought you an original episode since I think about October, September, October, somewhere around there. Something like that. Uh, you've been living in best of purgatory, well, let's be honest. That's a great purgatory to live in. But as we get closer and closer to No Time to Die, we're finally here to bring you the long-awaited theme song to No Time to Die, titled No Time to Die by everybody's favorite singer, born post-Die Another Day, Billie Eilish. <laughs> and boy, do we have a lot to talk about here. My name is Colin, and fool me once, Sam Smith, fool me twice, Billie Eilish. No Time to Die. You could have been. Ah, no time to die. <laughs> I'm um, gonna wake up. No time to die. <laughs> I'm not gonna complain about that as much today. I'm sorry. Yay! Yay! Does that mean we can play it straight away? No, yeah! no. <laughs> Quickest time we've ever played it, except for the episode that we covered it. Woo! <laughs> Um, I know there's been a lot of opinions online, most of them negative. Uh, I am happy to say that I'm going to agree with most of those negative opinions today, but I have a feeling Ben might be a little bit more optimistic here. Uh, I guess just before we kick into the episode, we, we did have this announcement maybe about a month ago, I think, that Billie Eilish was doing the theme song, probably a little more than that. And uh, I do remember the time just being very, I'm not going to say upset, but, uh, I couldn't get over the fact that we had somebody doing a Bond theme who was born the year that Die Another Day was released, basically. Uh, so I just kept thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, so maybe she's a big Bond fan. Maybe she's gone back and watched the movies. But realistically, her first exposure to this as a prepubescent teenager probably would have been Spectre, <laughs> the last theme song. <laughs> and lo and behold, we basically got Spectre 2.0. Um and I guess we, we knew this song was going to be released eventually, and then the, the announcement kind of came, I don't know, maybe only 24 hours ahead of time. There was some speculation because she was going to be performing on the the Oscars that we might get the No Time to Die theme song being released, which wouldn't that have been great considering she did like the In Memoriam <laughs> montage <laughs> if it was No Time to Die? That would have been amazing. A bit awkward. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but instead, we got her doing uh, Yesterday... And uh, I have to say that was probably I'm not I, I can't really say probably it, it might have been my first exposure because if I've heard Billie Eilish anywhere, I've never stopped to be like, hey, who's that? Uh, so I kind of wanted to be surprised with this theme song. And I very much kept an open mind. I wasn't like, oh, this is just some young kid. You know, I had no exposure to music. And what I had heard was sort of like, OK, well, her sound might actually fit Bond. 
And then 24 hours before the song came out, I got started getting really excited. And uh, I think because the, it's usually announced as Eastern time, I was waiting for 7 o'clock Eastern time. So I was on the treadmill when this song hit. And I just saw a message pop up on my phone that, you know, you were messaging the link to our group. And I immediately played it, but I kept running on the treadmill. And I'm like, finish the song. I'm like, I don't think I heard anything in that song. So I'm like, I better stop the treadmill because maybe the treadmill was drowning it out. And so I heard the song again and I really, again, heard nothing. Like, ugh, before I even get all my opinions, like, is this the quietest Bond theme ever? Like, I don't know. It's, just, it's most mumbly. It's, it's, it's got no music to it. Like, um, I, well, I have lots of rants here to come, but I, I heard another podcast uh, dissecting the song uh, a couple of days ago and you know, they were talking about, I guess, the one problem, and they were being kind of positive on the song, but saying, if you look at the last couple of Bond themes, the instrumental versions, even if you didn't like the song, were great. Like, I've always said, Another Way to Die, as an instrumental, without the annoying vocals in there, good song. Writings on the Wall, instrumental version, much better. It's only when you get the singing in there, it's thrown off. There is no instrumental version. It's like, I can't fathom how there will be an instrumental version of this, which is why it surprised me. A lot of people are saying, oh, I like the instrumental stuff in the background. I'm like, the instrumental is just background noise. It's it's not even instrumental. It's just, oh, I got a lot of opinions. I'll let you kind of take it here for a second while I <laughs> calm down. It's, yeah, I I was at work. And I didn't even see any of the social media about it being dropped in 24 hours. I think I saw, uh, like, a fan on Twitter mentioning something like, oh, we're going to hear it today. And to me, like, I sort of see these things all the time, and it's kind of like, oh, okay, well, is there an official source from this? And then I did a bit of digging, there was. I'm like, oh, okay, and that's when I messaged you guys. So I worked it out. It was, like, 1 o'clock my time, so I was able to sneakily listen to it at work. Not sneakily. I was by myself in the office all day. Um, And... (laughs) Now your boss knows you don't work. <laughs> yeah, she knows that already. I've only got less than two months to go. It's all good. Um, what's she going to do? Fire me? I've already sent my resignation letter. Um, but I mean, with Billie Eilish, uh, about twelve months ago, I heard about her for the first time, and I think I might have told this story before on this podcast or another podcast. But basically, I had somebody steal my details and pretending to be me, and they were selling or well, claiming to sell concert tickets. And basically scamming people. So I would get constantly for about three or four weeks, five messages a day, basically threatening me, like, where the fuck are my tickets? You scam me, you bastard. And one of the concerts they were trying to scam to was Billie Eilish. And at that point, I was like, who the fuck's Billie Eilish? So I, <laughs> I looked her up, a couple of songs, okay, they're fine. And then she released her album, that whatever it is, where do we go, where we go to sleep, the one that's won all the Grammys, whatever it's called. And there was like, like two or three songs in there where I'm like, oh, okay, they're actually, I really like those songs. But the rest of the album, I was like, yeah, I can see why she released the songs that she did because the rest are very like, like so bland and boring. And then one of Mallory's friends here was a mad Billie Eilish fan. So like we used to hear a lot of, so that was my exposure to her. So when I heard that she was releasing it, I'm like, okay, well, it makes sense because she's kind of the biggest pop star in the world right now. So they've kind of gone down that route again, similar to what they did with Adele. And so, like, this is commercially probably going to be a big hit. But the thing that kind of annoyed me a little bit with just Billie Eilish's reaction is there's no way she even knows what James Bond is. Because read her bloody yeah. interviews. Yeah. She's like, oh, we thought it would be dope. Uh, <laughs> and, like, this one here that I, I read here that she's told the New York Post where she's gone, you know what's funny about it? Like, two years ago, we were like, wouldn't it be crazy to make a song for Bond movies? 
We've written songs that have come out that are like, oh, this sounds like Bond. Like, this would be dope. Like, it would never happen. Whatever. And then this offer came up and we were like, ah, that's somebody who has literally no idea what somebody's gone up to her and gone, hey, would you like to write, what's a Bond movie? This would be really good for your career. Okay. <laughs> anyway, point is, that's background and stuff out of the way. Look, initially hearing it, it's not something that straight away I'm like, wow, that's crazy. I'm just kind of like, okay, that's okay. That's a song. And then sort of I listen to it again. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I like it better than writings on the wall. But yeah, it's not my favorite, but it's not my least favorite. Then I kind of left it for a few hours and then I kind of came back to it. And then sort of after giving it a bit of a break, I was like, okay, I actually can like this. So I've actually, I will say I like it. But it's definitely not my favourite. I wouldn't put this in my top 10. It's kind of the way I'm trying to think of it or trying to explain it is that I like this as a Bond song, but I don't like it as a song. Whereas Writings Mm. on the Wall, I liked it as a song, not as a Bond song. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of where I'm fitting into it. And it's also... the, The only criticisms I've really seen is a lot of people saying it's, we've got another ballad. You know, another slow one. Yeah. It's a bit mopey. It's, you know, it fits in with the Craig films, let's be honest. And I'm, yeah, I'm a little bit that way. You know, it'd be nice to have an upbeat song again. But at the same time, it does kind of fit in with particularly the last couple of films that we've had. And based on the trailers, I think it's going to fit. But, you know, from Skyfall to Writings on the Wall to this, they're all very similar sounding if we kind of break them down. Except Adele and Sam Smith can actually open their mouth and sing, whereas... Billy, <laughs> bless a little cotton socks, but um, I can just understand, understand, no time to die. <laughs> I'm Catherine Hepburn now, giving her opinion on it. Um, so yeah, I, I like it, but I don't love it. First, I just want to say, the most shocking thing that has ever been revealed in this podcast is the fact that there's a person out there who's like, if I'm going to steal somebody's identity, I want to be Ben Waterworth. (laughs) Who is this person? And what is wrong with them? What medications are there to remedy the issues they have? (laughs) Let me just gloss over that. Yeah, somebody out there just stole my identity. (laughs) First of all, that's a big deal. The bigger deal is the fact they're like, if I'm going to be anybody, I want to be Ben Waterworth. Like, not Noah Groves, but Ben Waterworth. And the only thing that really makes sense to me now is the fact that they are essentially scamming people for tickets for a teenage girl. So they're like, who's a guy who's already got a reputation for inappropriateness with teenage girls? Ben Waterworth. How do you know how do you know that the real Ben Waterworth isn't me? Like I'm the scammer person, you know? Like, ooh. <laughs> Well, (laughs) blew my mind. (laughs) I'll have to sit on that for a while. Um, Second thing I I love is that whole interview thing you read there with her. Like, that's not that shocking. I mean, you know, when when M was telling Bond, you know, you're going to be in station whatever in Canada, he was like... But Nassau would be dope, M. <laughs> if you want to send me to Canada, whatever. But, like, can you imagine Nassau? Really dope. <laughs> what, did you think, what did you think of the lamb? It was dope. It was dope. <laughs> it was skewered, but dope. Dope. <laughs> um, okay, so... Uh, I think we got a lot to talk about here. <laughs> Let it out, Colin. Let it all out. Come on. 
let's talk about the lack of originality with song. I don't even mind that it's another battle. Like, let's go through Connery's. Goldfinger to Thunderball to You Only Live Twice. Even if you want to tack on All the Time in the World in there, those are all kind of ballads. They're all slower songs. When you get to the Roger Moores, they start changing a little bit. You know, Live and Let Die and Man with Golden Gun have a similarities, but then Nobody Does It Better is completely different. Moonraker is different. Free Eyes Only is different. All Time High is different. Uh, <laughs> View to a Kill, different. But I understand, you know, going with the theme. It's not like these are the only three kind of dark ballads that we've gotten from Bonds. I mean, you could go through any era of Bond and probably find three back to back. It's the fact that to me, this sounds like the exact same song we just got. And, you know, a lot of the opinions seem to be, oh, it's better than Writings on the Wall. But what I could say is at least Writings on the Wall had a melody. You know, to me, this is just quiet, monotone mumbling followed by the whole, the whole fool me once, fool me twice part. Like, fool me once, fool me twice. I've heard that before. How do I live? How do I breathe? It's the exact same thing. And aside from that, I heard this song a couple times, and I'm like, where have I heard this song before? And then a couple of minutes passed, and I was trying to remember how this song went. So a lyric came to mind, and I'm like, wait a second. I'm humming Heathens by 21 Pilots. <laughs> Listen to these two songs back to back. This is a really dull, quiet, boring version of Heathens by 21 Pilots. And then I all I could think about every single time, I'm like, the No Time to Die theme song. 21 Pilots kept coming in my head. I'm like, what a great theme song that would have made. <laughs> it has a bit of life to it. It has the same sound, but she's not even producing an original sound here. It's just combining the most annoying parts about writings on the wall and ripping off Heathens. And if anybody doubts me, listen to those two songs back to back. You'll get what I'm talking about. It's just, it's not original. I don't even care that it's another dark ballad. I don't care that it's similar to Skyfall and writings on the wall. It's just not an original song at all. And it never takes off. You know, as I was listening through it, the first half, I'm like, okay, it's going to build from here. I imagine like Skyfall, you know, it starts out, you know, very soft, very quiet, very much like this. And then it builds and builds and builds. This builds to absolutely nothing. <laughs> Why? I, I definitely agree that it kind of builds to nothing. And one thing that say that annoys me about the song is the ending. It just ends very abruptly. Um, and I yeah. think that's the, what you're talking about, that it doesn't build up to anything. At least with writings on the wall, it, Look at us, four years later, defending writings on the wall. <laughs> How far we've grown. Um, but, like, at least with writings on the wall, kind of the way it sweeps into the choruses, and then it's kind of got the silence of the piano, that you know when it's about to end. Every single time I listen to this song, it takes me by surprise that it's ending. And it kind of, the yep. way it sort of ends, and then you hear that, like the, the Bond sort of guitar at the end. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, okay, it's over then. So, I mean, I definitely agree with you there. I've never connected the heathens thing i love heathens i'll have to go back and listen to it um because we had that with writings on the wall with earth song remember so um, yeah. but the writings on the wall like i kind of got that vibe straight away um and even when you listen to the opening of this song start singing the opening lyrics to writings on the wall and it fits um, so, but Ma- mallory really likes this song but mallory thinks it's a lot closer to skyfall and there, I mean, there are definitely, there are parts to it, again, which you can connect it in with Skyfall. Um, but, yeah, like, I don't know how I feel o- overall about the, the ballad thing. As I said, like, I would have liked an up-tempo song, absolutely. But, again, at the same time, as I said before, I think this just fits kind of with this era of Craig. Like, wh- one thing surely you have to say is it kind of does fit with the mood of the Craig movies. Can you at least agree with that? 
Um, well, yes and no, because I think that the mood of the Craig movies, there is this sort of you know dramatic dark side to it, but they've been more and more introducing more fun to it. You know, Skyfall had a lot of fun to it. Spectre had a lot of fun to it. And all the trailers for this, there's definitely that dark side to it. There's definitely that moodiness, the the brooding Bond. But it looks like we're about to get a really fun Bond movie. And I just don't feel like any of the theme songs that we've had, you know, have have really illustrated that. And, you know, I'm again, I'm okay if you go through the Connery movies. I mean, there's nothing that's like, you know, really up-tempo and fun with the Connery themes. But they still had they, – they weren't so dark and brooding that, you, you know, you felt like it's just a one-note thing. And I, I have a feeling when we see this movie, you know, we're probably going to be surprised that it, it, despite the song, it's going to be a lot more entertaining than this song has led on. Mm. We, we sort of went from Skyfall, which was, yes, very dark, very moody, very much fits the Craig theme. And then we get even dark and moodier. And then we get even darker and moodier, but yet the movies are going in the opposite direction. And if you listen to these songs, they're just getting slower and moodier and duller with each song, whereas the movies are going in the opposite direction, I feel. That is a good point. But I will say that I think, like, I, I mean, I don't disagree with you at all. Because, again, in hindsight, when we first talked about writings on the wall, we're thinking, like, holy crap, what's this going to be? Is this really relating to Bond slitting his wrists? But, again, the song really didn't have anything to do with the movie, did it? Um, Mm -hmm. whereas this, I guess the way they've been promoting it, it's only really been in the last 24 hours they've dropped a TV spot, which is actually more action Bond, if you know what I mean, whereas a lot of the the focus has been on Bond will change and, well, not Bond will change, things will change and kind of it looks all very, like, dark and him and Madeline and all this kind of stuff. So, like, I I feel like this fits a lot more with kind of the promotional stuff, whereas Spectre, Riders in the Wall, I don't think we really had that much depressing stuff, did we, going into Spectre, so... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I'm definitely with you because that is a good point that they kind of have been getting lighter as they go along. So it, it will be interesting. But I mean, uh, one thing that I will say again, though, is I really do feel that, and again, I know we've only had this song for two days and it's stupid to say, we're going to look back and all this sort of stuff. But it is a thing with the majority of all the errors of Bond that the songs do fit that era, though. Like what you're saying with mm-hmm. Connery's songs, like, yeah, they're, they're not all broody and depressing, They've also, you know, the, the Connery songs fit the Connery movies. The more songs, yeah. for the most part, fit the more movies. The the Dalton ones, you'd say, fit them. You don't like the songs, you don't like Dalton movies. So for you, it fits perfectly. Um, Brosnan films, you know, you would say each of them do generally fit the movie. And then I would probably say that looking at these now, that this is the last Craig song we will ever get. They're going to fit the movies, I think. Because sure, we're going to probably hopefully have a bit more fun in No Time to Die, just like we did with Spectre. But I still think it's just that overarching general feel of the Craig era has been a more grittier, dark, realistic, you know, human bond where those songs kind of connect with him. And even though we're adding those fun elements to it, if that makes sense. I think we also just need something bigger because they are making a big deal about this not being an anniversary movie, but a 25th movie. And we're sort of at the stage now where you know, every 10 years or so, we're going to have some big anniversary. You know, the 30th Bond movie is going to be coming up or we're going to be getting the uh, eventually the 70th or 75th anniversary of Bond. I mean, these movies are never going to go away and there's always going to be some milestone to celebrate. But, you know, Die Another Day, it was a big deal, even though I think the song was a completely wrong fit for the movie. It was a big deal. This is the 20th movie. We're going to get the biggest artist we could possibly get. And then with, oh, sorry. 
You, you, you vomit, you vomiting, looking. admitting that she was the biggest artist you could get. And then you start to throw up. Here happened. I am thinking, finally praise for Madonna. Like, wow, Colin just seemingly praised Madonna. And then you're like, ooh, ooh, ooh. What's happening? What's coming out of my mouth? <laughs> my body's rejecting me. <laughs> but, um, you know, with Skyfall, I mean, the big deal was, you know, this is the 50th anniversary of Bond. And we got a song that was fitting of a 50th anniversary. And... Th- this has been a big deal. This is the 25th Bond movie. Even the TV spots, the trailers, it's like the 25th James Bond movie. And we get the most low-key, unimpressive, almost forgettable song. And I'm not even – there are some merits to the song, just not as a Bond theme. And I've heard this song more and more, and I keep thinking to myself, okay, I get what some people are saying. It does sound semi-Bond-like. It does have a mood that fits it and everything, but this feels like the B-side. This would be the song that plays – this is the experience of love or (laughs) surrender or something like that. That either maybe plays in the end credits or it just plays in the background in some scene. This sounds like something that would fit the background of a scene in the movie. It doesn't sound like a big theme song that you're going to remember forever. And another point that I heard brought up, which I thought this is a very valid point – is that they hired Billie Eilish, as you said, to get the biggest pop star in the world. Do you feel like, as somebody who's heard more Billie Eilish, do you feel like her fans who are not familiar with James Bond are going to hear this song and say, I got to hear that again. And this is going to be a number one single and on the radio and you know on every single Spotify or Amazon Music playlist out there. I don't feel like this song. And the best evidence of that to me is Jamie, who, again, had no familiarity with Billie Eilish. And I play, I, I came upstairs from the treadmill. I just – I am so mad right now. <laughs> this is such a letdown. She's like, what, what? And I'm like, the Bond theme. <laughs> she was like, what? That's what you're mad about? And I played it for her. She's like, well, it doesn't sound that bad. And I'm like, tell me what's not bad about it. So I played the whole thing for her. And she's like, it's a decent song. And I didn't ask her any questions, but she's like – I would never add it to a playlist. I'm never going to go out of my way to listen to it, but it's not bad. I'm like, if you're not going to go out of your way to listen to it, if you're never going to add it to a playlist, that's not a good song. And there's a lot of people who are defending this song, but saying, yeah, it's not my thing. I wouldn't really listen to it. A Bond theme, really, this is the theme song. It's not a song in the background. It's not the experience of love. This is the theme song for Bond. And if you would not go out of your way to listen to it, if it is not a big enough song that you're like, I want to hear that, you know, when I'm driving in the car, I want to hear that when I'm running on a treadmill, then to me, that's not a good song. That's good background music. And to me, that that's the best I can say about the song is that it might fit in the background of Sun Scene, but it is not a song anybody wants to go out of their way to listen to. And maybe this will be number one and all the teenagers are going to be listening to it. What is this James Bond, this dope <laughs> James Bond thing that Billie Eilish is doing a theme song for? But I don't think that's ever going to happen. I don't even see this as the type of song that a Billie Eilish song or a Billie Eilish fan is going to go out of their way to be like, oh, i got to hear that song again and again. Yeah, I was having a, di- a discussion about this with someone the other day because it is, it's an interesting one because I think that, as I said, a lot of her really popular songs that are, I guess a lot of the radio have played a lot more upbeat. They've got more of a bass. I mean, Bad Guy's probably her number one song. I think that's the one that won Song of the Year at the Grammys and kind of went to number one. And I actually like Bad Guy. Like, it's actually a really fun, catchy song. But the thing is with that, like, it's got a bit of a beat. It's, you know, got a bit of a dance track to it. But then at the same time, like, her vocals don't necessarily change. Like, she's still got that very dark, whispery monotone. That's just Billie Eilish. That's obviously what her style of music is. Mm. And the other song of hers that I actually don't mind um, is You Should See Me in a Crown. 
and again, it's it's more upbeat. It's got a bit of a dance track to it. Um, she's very quirky, like in terms of if you watch her film clips, she's got one of these yeah. film clips where she's literally bleeding blue blood pouring from her eyes. It's kind of creepy looking. But yeah, like this is the thing though with like with her fans because she's got a very rabid fan base. You know, she's huge. Clearly, this is why she's like you know the number one pop star in the world. But again, if you listen to the majority of her other songs, they're not upbeat. They're not poppy. One of the ones that Mallory really likes is a very slow kind of whispery ballad so i i don't know because like while we hear the the non-rabid billy eilish fans on the radio hear the upbeat pop songs that are radio friendly her rabid fans who are following around the world and loving every moment of her clearly like hearing her a bit like whispery and monotony and all that sort of stuff so it could do very well i think the fact that it is just billy eilish she is the number one singer in the world right now i think it just guarantees success at least on the song side of things i think i just read an article saying that this is already like outstreaming justin bieber's new song so you know good on well, you <laughs> um, in, in all fairness there's also a lot of people doing bond podcasts who are like i listened to it seven eight nine times in a row <laughs> true. but i still don't like it <laughs> um but i mean this is the thing though with any Bond song, you're going to have that inbuilt fan base, aren't you? Because initially you're going to have the the millions of Bond fans around the world who are going to hear it, and straight away people are going, I don't like it or I like it. I don't think this has the playability again for most Bond fans like Skyfall did or You Know My Name did. Even Another Way to Die, let's be honest. I played that a lot when it first came out because it was a lot to digest. Writings on the Wall was a kind of, okay, I've heard it enough now. Um, yeah. I would even, like, in the end, this is seriously not me defending Die Another Day, but even that I would say some people probably would have listened to it going, oh, God, what's going on here? Like, really? Was it that bad? Like, they would have had to keep, like, listening to it. Whereas this, I feel for Bond fans, they've heard it, that's enough. They'll wait to see the movie. Billy Eilish fans, I, I think they will listen to it a bit more just based on the majority of what her songs sound like outside of the, the pop-friendly radio ones. And one thing I'll quickly say, too... Um, Back to my point where I said I like this as a Bond song, not necessarily as a song. I think this sounds a lot more Bondian than Writings on the Wall. And Mm -hmm. I know we talked a lot about Writings on the Wall going, oh, I'll save my judgment for the title credits. And I don't know if we really talked a lot about what we were picturing for title credits because we got octopus porn, you know, we got what we got. (laughs) And then ultimately you worked out that you could put sunshine and lollipops over the title and it's the same thing. This yeah. is a song, Which we though. did. <laughs> we did, and it worked. You were 100% correct. But this is definitely a song to me that I'm visually picturing a Bond opening title sequence, and I think it will work. So I think that's a lot of me where I'm liking this song more than a lot of others. It's because I think it feels very Bondian, and I also really do think that the opening title of this will look fantastic. And yeah, that argument was made a lot with um, Spectre and again, we, we proved the point. Sunshine Lollipops, <laughs> you can find it, f- look for it on YouTube. I uh, made the video, Sunshine Lollipops and Rainbows to the Spectre titles and it works just as it well does. as Writings on the Wall. I-, I think that's kind of my point, whereas I keep hearing people saying the same thing. Oh, I can visualize the, the title sequence. That's fine. But I think the title sequence is li- literally with the point where anything can work to that. And I'm saying it right now. When we get a title sequence for this, I'm putting Sugar Sugar by the Archies on this <laughs> to continue heathens. on our theme. <laughs> or Heathens, yeah. yeah. And, and just to prove that anything will work with the title sequence. It doesn't matter what the song is. So, you know, I, I – and, and here's the other thing. Yeah, yeah can I visualize the, the title sequence, you know, for a song like this? Yes. But if I'm going to be looking at the Craig era, is this the note I want to go out on? Something that is so – dreary and so slow and so dull 
I kind of want a, a little bit of a bang for the finish. And I think they needed to be thinking about that. If this had been the theme song to Spectre, I don't think I would have been reacting as poorly to it. But knowing this is going to be our final Craig, this is going to be the end of the longest running era in James Bond history. I think it deserves a song like Skyfall that that does build to something that is bigger. Um, the other thing, just with with Billie Eilish, like okay, they have you know this young singer. It's a modern artist. This is three songs in a row they've gone with a modern singer. And I think when they announced her as the artist, uh, one of the one of the uh, comments I made was that. I don't see a problem with going back and getting older style artists, you know, it's fine to do that. But if you look at all other eras of Bond, it's a the music has always been even in the Connery era, they weren't playing 60s, mid 60s style music, they were picking songs that sounded like they belonged in the 40s or the 50s. And with every era that's passed, you've had some that were very modern sounding, but they always sort of would go back and like, we want a very classic sound. And We've gotten further and further away from that. Skyfall, I feel like it very much sounds like a modern Adele song, but it also sounds like something you could have heard Shirley Bassey sing in the 60s. Writings on the Wall, a little bit further away from that. Now I feel like we're just 100% in. This is the modern sound. I mean, Caving like out the times? Said, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, you know, it's not my style, but the, the modern sound is very ballady, a lot of acoustic stuff, a lot of singer-songwriter stuff. And... I just feel like we've gone so modern now that we're actually losing that classic sound of Bond. And I wouldn't mind even going with an older artist. You know, they, they even with Chris Cornell, you could say even with Chris Cornell, that was still an older artist. 2006, you know, we were at least 10 to 15 years removed from the peak of his career. And then we got Jack White and Alicia Keys and we get Adele and we get Sam Smith and we get Billie Eilish. And when Quantum of Solace came out, you know, the big rumor at the time was that uh, Shirley Bassey was going to do a theme song and they rejected her song for another way to die. And I remember hearing her theme song, her rejected theme the first time and thinking, yeah, I can see why they rejected that. But then I heard that again and again. And I'm like, this could have gone on to become one of the greatest Bond themes of all time. And I really just wish that uh, this th- it makes me sound like an old person, but it's not at all, because even if you were to talk to me as a teenager in the 90s, when they were getting Cheryl Crow and garbage, I wouldn't have been opposed to saying let's get an artist from the 60s or 70s you know somebody with a little bit more experience somebody who could bring a more classic sound for bond because i feel like bond always should sound older than it is and this outside of die another day i feel is the most modern sounding song we've had and the one that really only fits in the time period it's in i can't see this song fitting in any other era well i think a lot of and this is my point i was actually going to make because i remember when billy eilish was announced and i sort of made the comment that this might be the first time they've really gone for the biggest pop star in the world since Duran Duran. Because, I mean, I know Adele is the mm. argument there, but Adele I wouldn't necessarily classify as the biggest pop star in the world because she kind of has a fan base. She's huge, don't get me wrong. I mean, her singing career, she's lost a lot of weight recently. But she... <laughs> um, like, you're not having 14-year-old girls listening to Adele. You know, it's kind of more of a... You know, yeah. Bit of a different fan base. She had a more mature fan yeah, base. A mature even fan when she base. Was 19, yeah. 20 years old. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I'm saying, like, Billie Eilish to me is maybe the first one since, like, Duran Duran, who in 1985 were the absolute biggest band in the world. No question about that. Um, but I think you're right in the fact that they've kind of gone that more modern route. But the thing that 
obviously Bond has always had to try and toe that line is kind of staying relevant while also staying true to its roots. And that's, that's always what Bond has been. It's been around now for nearly 60 years. So kind of that, it's not like this is a new thing. But I also think some aspect to this as well is knowing this is the last Craig film, they've probably just kind of gone, okay, well, we've kind of got to, this is the style we've gone, we've got to keep it this way and we'll start something new for the next one, whoever the next Bond and, you know, we can start a new sort of era there. You've also got like this social media age now where it's so much more prevalent for people to, to talk about these and have their feelings and everything out there so much. So they've got to also try and attract an audience that they didn't have to do 10 years ago with social media because, and particularly also in this world where we've got like the MCU and just all these kind of things now where Bond isn't the only huge franchise now that basically is there. Not that it hasn't been always, like really since the 80s, since we've had big blockbuster franchises kind of coming about. But nowadays, it's just every movie is essentially a franchise, isn't it? Like, you just can't escape it. So, like, Bond mm-hmm. now has got this new landscape that it's got to compete with. And, yeah, it's got its inbuilt fans, but it's going to try and attract these 18-year-olds who love Billie Eilish and think, oh, well, Billie Eilish, what's this movie? As you were saying before, what's Bond? Oh, maybe I'll check it out. So, I kind of, I think there's a whole whirlwind of things here that they've obviously got to try and compete with. Not that any of that's new, as I said. They've been doing that for nearly 60 years. But I just think it's a, it's a little bit different now with social media, kind of this clickbait culture. Uh, you know, no one's got an attention span anymore. You know, it's kind of like, oh, click, 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 boom, 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 boom. And yeah, I just feel that kind of there's just elements to that. But I am hopeful, like, again, with everything you said, I, I pretty much agree with what you're saying, just in terms of the vibe. And they should have gone out something maybe a bit bigger for Craig. But I think that the good news with this now being released this being la- Craig's last film, and can we stop these media reports saying, well, maybe it's Craig's last film? Like, it is. <laughs> I, I read one the other day saying, well, he said that after Spectre. He said that he would rather slit his wrists and he didn't actually come out and say that this was it, his last one. He full on now has officially announced that this is his last film. Yeah. Um, so this is his last movie. We will have a new Bond for our next one. It will be a new era. So hopefully that will mean that in two, three, four years, whenever we have the next Bond movie, that it's going to be a bit of a different vibe. We'll go the Chris Cornell route. We'll have a bit more of an upbeat, you know, sort of different song. And now with this song, we've closed off this era and we we can look forward to something a little bit different now. Um, I want to talk about a couple other things with both the movie and the music, but I'm just curious. We did our song rankings episode ah, a couple I, of years ago I've got now. This in front of me, actually. I was going to bring up a <laughs> me point too. about this, but go, go ahead. Um, but I... I, I kind of know where I would rank this, you know, among my original ranking, you know, do you have a spot where you would put this? The, the one thing I was going to say before I do that is actually when you started talking about this the other day, I'm thinking like, Colin really hates songs this millennium, doesn't he? I'm thinking you hate to die another day. <laughs> I couldn't, I thought you were indifferent on, you know, my name. Another way to die. You didn't really like, you love Skyfall. You don't like writings on the wall and you don't like this, but I looked at your original rankings and you had Skyfall at number one and you actually had, you know, my name at number nine. I thought you didn't like it as much as that, but then it was you, just compared to you two as lore. Yeah. 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 Uh, writings on the wall. You had at 21 and another way to die at 17 and die another day at 23. So I was thinking, wow, Colin and the new millennium. Um, yeah, I haven't actually really thought about that too much. I had the writings on the wall at 18. I had it the highest. But again, as a, again, I'll repeat myself. I like it as a song. I just don't like it as a Bond theme. Um, looking at my list, ooh, I mean, yes, I was an idiot. I had lots of my songs down lower. I would probably, like, I've got Fear Eyes Only at 16. I'd probably put this around there. Like, I've got Fear Eyes Only at 16, Diamonds Are Forever at 17. Wow. 
And, you know, like, I mean, again, <laughs> I had Die Another Day at number five, people. But I, I've got Goldeneye at 15, and you hated me on for that, but I like Goldeneye better than this. I actually do like Fear Eyes Only better than this, and I do like Diamonds Are Forever than this, so better than this. So, actually, no, I'd put this just on the cusp right now. That would put it at 18, so one spot ahead of the writings on the wall. So that would have put for you the songs worse than this is Writings on the Wall, From Russia with Love, which I still question. <laughs> you Only Live Twice, Another Way to Die, Moonraker, and All Time High. That's it is funny because I feel like this is the exact same song as Moonraker to me. Like that is That was the title prior to this as the dullest Bond theme ever, even though I'm a little bit more positive on Moonraker as a song. Uh, but I still had that in 19. Um, it's going to be lower on mine. Uh, it's not going to be the very bottom, as I said. Uh, I sort of said to you and you and Noah in our group chat that uh, I, I don't consider this to be, you know, as annoying as Writings on the Wall or Die Another Day or even All Time High, which are my three bottoms. Die Another Day is my very bottom. All Time High, my second bottom. And Writings on the Wall was my third to bottom. This isn't as annoying as those. Those three songs to me are annoying songs. But I if I were to say what is the worst Bond theme, this is the one that is, to me, the one I am least likely to ever go out of my way to listen to i would be more likely probably to even listen to die another day over this and it's coming again uh (laughs) but i couldn't rank this as the worst song because again there are some merits to this as a song just not as a main theme so i would have put this at 21 which would be just ahead of writings on the wall all time high and down there the day um it is yay it would be you like it better lower than i i like license to kill better than this yes Uh, (laughs) go glass um no, no, it, it, like you said, I, I, I'm sort of on one side of the spectrum or the other, you know, with the, the newer Millennium songs, because going into Skyfall, that was the only time, as long as I've been a Bond fan, which, you know, let's say Goldeneye up, even though Tomorrow Never Dies was the one that I kind of got, even though I'd, I'd seen Goldeneye first, but Tomorrow Never Dies is what got me into it. You know, I heard the song Goldeneye before I ever saw the movie. I heard the song Tomorrow Never Dies before I ever saw the movie. Same thing with World Not Enough, Die Another Day, uh, You Know My Name, Another Way to Die. Uh, the only time I ever went into a movie and said, I'm not going to listen to the song until I see the movie was Skyfall. And the second I heard that song in the opening credits, I'm like, that is the single greatest Bond theme I've ever heard. And now here we are eight years later, and I'm still saying it's the greatest Bond theme I've ever heard. Uh, but yeah, you know my name. It definitely grew on me the more time went on. You know, I had it at number nine. I might even flip it with Diamonds Are Forever now that we're a couple years removed from that. Uh, you know, Another Way to Die, I think I was probably the most positive on that song. But it's it's just it is like I'm saying, it's the fact that they're getting further away from that classic sounding song. I don't even care if it's, you know, a modern song or a modern artist or they're trying to world is on enough to me is the best example of what you should do, even though I don't think it is the single greatest Bond theme of all time. It is a song that is modern sounding. It sounded like it could always be a garbage song in 1999. It sounded like something that garbage fans would listen to, even if you weren't a Bond fan. But yet, to me, it still sounded like something that if you had produced it differently with a different artist, you could have had the exact same song in 1965. Mm. And that's what I feel like we're getting further away from here. But uh, uh, I'm not even sure where Noah would rank this, but he didn't seem to be too high on it either. That's I think, yeah. all, all I can remember. No, Noah's still alive, by the way, people. He's trying to get dates. He is. failing. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, we'll hopefully have him on when I, no time that comes out. But uh, a couple of other noteworthy things here since the last time we talked about the movie. Kerry uh, uh, Fukunaga. Fukunaga. <laughs> Fukunaga. I always have trouble with that one. 
his composer, Dan Romer, uh, obviously was, I don't know, let go, parted with production and was replaced very last minute with Hans Zimmer, which a lot of people are very excited about. Um, I'm sort of on the fence of because I think a lot of people love Hans Zimmer because they remember his best scores. But Hans Zimmer, I, I listen to everything that Hans Zimmer puts out, uh, no matter whether I see the movie or not. And he does have a tendency, in my opinion, to phone it in. Uh, often when he collaborates with other composers, and I think it's already come out that Hans Zimmer is going to be co-composing this score with another composer. That's usually because he's like, I don't have time to do this whole thing. And the effort he puts into it is often very much lackluster. And he also rips himself off more than any other composer out there. <laughs> so even though I think Hans Zimmer has composed some of the greatest soundtracks out there ever, uh, he is not always on his game. Uh, and I think people just need, certainly need to listen to a lot of his stuff to get that. But I'm optimistic just because I feel like it's going to bring a bigger sound. Uh, Hans Zimmer goes one way or the other. When he's doing a Christopher Nolan movie, it's very much just mood music. Uh, it's not something that you would always listen to. But then he does stuff like Pirates of the Caribbean or uh, um, you know Gladiator, which are very big, very exciting. And that's what I kind of hope to get out of it. Um, I, I'm sure you're familiar with Hans Zimmer. I think everybody's familiar oh, with Hans Zimmer, but absolutely. excited by this. I mean, I don't think many of us were that familiar with Dan Romer's work, but uh, Hans Zimmer definitely a step up as far as big name value goes. I I was surprised that he hadn't done one, and like it kind of it took me a while. Like when they announced it, I'm thinking like, oh, he's done one before. What are they talking about? But then obviously he hasn't. And one thing I really mm-hmm. appreciate is he clearly seems to be honored by doing a Bond film. Like he like he's yeah. just spoken, and I really appreciate when somebody comes into this and he's real about it unlike Billie Eilish but yeah I mean god like he's done some of the greatest scores that I am huge fans of I mean he won the Academy Award for The Lion King and I think The Lion King score is kind of an underrated score that I feel doesn't get talked about as much as it should he did Cool Runnings I'm just reading here like I actually yeah, really like he started in Disney <laughs> yeah yeah I, see, I really like the Cool Runnings like I think we talked a lot about that when we, we did that movie a couple of years ago but Gladiator oh my god I love the score for Gladiator Pirates of the Caribbean uh, I think a lot of why that movie just got so huge was because it had such a great score he did the score for Rush which I think is a great score um, we talked about Batman v Superman when we did that like great score um, and he's doing it for Wonder Woman coming up to, soon as well and I'm seeing here that he's doing Space Jam 2 yeah. <laughs> wow so yeah like, I actually was really excited for, for him doing it and I think it's um, it's going to be great so yeah I, I'm hoping that he's kind of going to do this really big out there score and I'm very much like you when it comes to scores of movies and particularly Bond movies are always the ones which I think you know uh, are exciting because we've had this a lot and the build-up to Star Wars, and we talked a lot about how John Williams sort of, you know, bless his cotton little socks, but none of the sequel trilogy really had an a outstanding score that we're going to remember. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel, at least with the modern Bond movies, I feel for the most part a, a lot of the scores have still actually stood out pretty well. Like, we had some really good scores yeah. in Spectre. Uh, Skyfall had some great ones. Even sort of some of the ones they worked into Another Way to Die were good, and Casino Royale were yeah, good Quantum too. Quantum of Solace. Like, funny enough, Quantum of Solace, you know, the more I listen to that score, I'm like, this is probably one of my favourite Bond scores. Great music in that, it's just not the theme song, but yeah, the score was great. Yeah, so I think that's one thing at least the Bond films have really kept up really well in. And like, I think even you praise some of Die Another Day's score from memory as well so um mm-hmm. 
yeah, so I think kind of like it, it's it's only got some positives to come from Hans Zimmer, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And again, as I said, the passion that he seems Lee has from this, like I think he said in an interview, like I've dreamed about this moment my entire career, and like I love it when you hear people say that. And again, I'm going to believe mm-hmm. Hans Zimmer saying that than Billie Eilish, who barely knows what a bomb movie is. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, also we got the Super Bowl. TV spot too. We've and another one came out too in the last twenty four hours. I don't know if you saw that one. Yeah, go to the one. It's only, it's only got like yet, two little glimmers of new scenes in it. Like the um, mm-hmm. the non, oh, the other Bond girl who we haven't really seen much of, who looks like Eva Green. Every time I see it, I'm thinking like, oh my god, Eva Green's back. Like is Vespa back? Um, Sister. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Uh, but, we can we come up with a name for Vespa's sister? Uh, 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 P- Pesta. Um, lesser pester <laughs> lesser. <Yeah. laughs> but they, they look awesome like i think we because we hadn't really talked about the um the little planes falling out of the back with latasha lynch kind of going out like, <laughs> very very die another day um actually but like in all serious like it looks it looks epic um but we've started really getting that um everything will change kind of yeah. angle which i which, don't know what you're thinking yeah. <laughs> Like, there's a lot of people speculating, like, this is going to be Bond dying, and that's how they're going to set up, you know, somebody else taking over. Like, I don't think you ever have to do that, nor do I think that would ever work. Um, I think it's just going to be, you know, this the way that we've introduced Skyfall to Spectre to this, we're getting more into Bond's backstory. I just feel like this is going to be a very big personal story, because while so many people are really picking that line apart, everything will change. I'm just thinking, what other movies could this have fit in? Where it wouldn't have been a lie, but it wasn't some like earth shattering thing. And Honor Majesty's Secret Service, I want to keep thinking of it. If you had done the tagline, everything will change on Honor Majesty's Secret Service, you know, that would have perfectly fit that movie. But yet the movie ended and they just started another series. So I don't think that literally everything's going to change for the series after this. I just feel like it's going to be something big like Honor Majesty's Secret Service. It's going to be a really personal story, but that's just my opinion. I would agree with that. And I think this is really the first Bond movie since You Only Live Twice where they knew that this was going to be the last time this actor was going to be appearing. So I think that also having that in it comes down to the fact that they've kind of got to wrap up this whole Craig era because this is the most connected era of Bond we've ever had. And what they decide to do after this, whether or not they they go in the same direction and keep things, but obviously with a different Bond, or they start again, I doubt they will do that. But, you know, maybe we can just move forward now where it's just a standard Bond film. Like, here's his new mission, blah, 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 like how we're used to. So I think kind of there needs to be a bit of a conclusion almost to this era. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think the everything will change thing will kind of, we will maybe just completely change what we've got from the Craig era you know, Leia Seydoux is probably going to die. He's going to go on some sort of revenge thing and kind of conclude it all to the point where he sort of sails off into the sunset. But there's also enough open where we're just going to pick this up in two or three years' time with, you know, Idris Elba or whoever it is. And basically, here we go. Um, this is just another mission where we know his backstory. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 a lot of people are cool, kind of speculating, oh, this confirms that Bond's going to be a woman. We've all but had uh, Barbara Broccoli and all that come out and basically say, like, yeah. Bond will never be a woman. So that's all but being confirmed. So I don't think that's going to be it. And I think we're all but, uh, uh, you know, resigned to the fact that Lashana Lynch will be 007 in at least the beginning of this movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's an everything. Will the change. number, like, not yeah, the, the number. Yeah. Exactly. I had a debate about this over the other day with someone. They're like, but 007's Bond. And I'm like, well, yes, but it can be reassigned. But that doesn't make sense. I'm like, but we've had plenty of movies where, like, 006 has been someone different. But how does that work? Because 007's Bond. And I'm like, you're not listening <laughs> to me. <laughs> like, it's it's an assignment. Like, 
Had they seen Casino Royale? I don't think they had. If they had, they just you didn't just, understand. You just asked the question, when they when he became a double O, who was double O seven before Bond? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, well, just think about this for a second. Um, <laughs> one thing, though, that I, I will say, and look, we're, we're going to do a preview episode. We're going to do what we did with Spectre and kind of just have a, a yeah. final preview episode in you know the coming weeks beforehand, but... I just, I just, I've been starting to rewatch all the Bond movies with Mallory, and so and hopefully we can do this whole Rossi style thing we've talked about a few times. But having watched Doctor No recently, I'm, I'm really, I am jumping on the train that Rami Malek's going to be Doctor No. I am um, because like just yeah. watching Doctor No and like, okay, I kind of, I'm seeing this more now. So I, for one, am just saying this now, and I'll say it in our preview episode again. I'm calling it now that Rami Malek is Doctor No. I, here's the one thing that would lead me away from that. Now, I think it's a cool idea. And the everything will change. One of the theories I've heard about that is that this will end the origin story once and for all. And that basically it would reboot it as now we're in the timeline of the original movies so that they could retell Dr. No from Russia with Love if they wanted. And I don't think they'll ever go as far as to just remake Dr. No. But the way that we speculated going into Spectre that they might, um, you know, let's let's take elements of automatic secret service and work it in here but if we know we're getting a new bond i just don't see how that would ever be possible so you know i'm still leaning towards that's not going to happen but it could be one of these things where they're just teasing but yeah more to come in the preview episode where we'll get more in depth on that too it's exciting um, i will just quickly say really now that it is really getting full-on excitement mode for this because mm-hmm. Like, we we joked that we did a lot of Spectre coverage, and I think it felt like we did just because we were very new at that point and kind of we were intersecting between the films and that. But if you actually look at our coverage for No Time to Die, we've done, I think, one or two more episodes on it, which is kind of funny. But I, I think a lot of that excitement, like, we had a Star Wars movie kind of that we were we were covering a lot on the Oz Network. Again, I realized back during Spectre we had The Force Awakens coming up, but we didn't know what to expect coming into that, whereas this was kind of different. But I think now it's really starting to hit me that we're only what, like six seven weeks away from this and i think the yeah. thing too is that i've been trying to explain to mallory's like there's a different vibe of excitement going into a bond film because star wars it's you get what you get whereas like with a bond film think about it like part of the fun in the lead up is finding out what the song is going to be and then hearing mm-hmm. the song for the first time and then just all these other little bits and moments that you're getting in the lead up to when it's coming out but um yeah right now it's it's peak excitement for me I, i'm actually really really looking forward to this because this is also kind of maybe the the biggest movie in the year that you and I are kind of doing, I think at Mm -hmm. the same time. Yeah. And you're right. As soon as the song comes out, that's when it gets real because you can have the trailers leading up to that, but trailers come out sometimes a year in advance. So it's not like as soon as you see a trailer, you're like, Oh, the movie's around the corner. But for a bond movie, when they release the theme song, you know, it's right around the corner and we we're literally right around the corner. Now, like you said, it's, what, five or six weeks away. Um, and I want everybody to cross their fingers for me too, because if we do this preview episode, I'm holding out hope that uh, I might win a little contest. I, I don't know. You've, you've probably heard of Omaze. They, they yes. do big prize packages. They, they have one right now, which uh, I'd encourage Ben to sign up and hopefully nobody else, just so we can increase our <laughs> chance of winning. Uh, where if you donate, you know, you get entered however many entries, depending on how much money you donate to uh, be flown you know, all expenses to the world premiere of No Time to Die and uh, actually get to meet uh, Naomi Harris there too. And uh, I signed up for but that not a Daniel Craig. days ago. Not Daniel Craig, no. Nah, well. <laughs> his his wrist will be slit well before there. But, um, I mean, of all the yeah, Bond actors, I mean, she'd be like number six on my list. I mean, I'd rather meet like Leia Seydoux or Rami Malek. Sorry, Naomi, but 
you know, you enter, that's fine. Rory Kinnear? Yeah, I'd, I'd hang out Anna with Tanner. Anna Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Christoph Waltz? I'm going to put new. I'm going to put Naomi Harris a little bit higher on there, but Shana uh, Lynch. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's it's a cool thing that they're doing that, and you know, I often see the, these Omaze things, and I'm like, yeah, you know, that would be cool or whatever. With this, I'm like, I instantly signed up. I didn't even tell Jamie. I'm like, uh, uh, sorry, so I spent a little bit of money, <laughs> but maybe what? we'll get. To, I didn't tell her how much. I'm like, maybe we're going to get to go to the premiere. <laughs> Meet Naomi Harris. She's like, what about Daniel Craig? I'm like, Naomi Harris. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, it's a cool contest. So cross cross your fingers for me, everybody. Ben, sign up. One of us can go. That'll be cool. If it was Samantha I Bond, guess... I would be there. But you know, <laughs> only if she had long hair again. Uh... True. True. <laughs> but um, I guess I I don't even know. We're, we're hopefully going to be doing another episode before our preview episode. Uh, we can get that Thunderball commentary out of the way. That's the next oh, thing. Oh God, that Thunderball! Our... I just watched that two nights ago. Do I have to watch it again so soon? <laughs> yes. Uh, I'll be happy oh. for that. But uh, Thunderbolt commentary will be coming eventually. Uh, it just depends on our timing. Uh, we'll no get time it done. We'll start it now. We'll be finished by the time. No time is yeah. I start. <laughs> I've got it queued up, ready to go. <laughs> oh, listen to this theme song. So much better than Billie Eilish. Uh, <laughs> but uh, more content is going to be coming more frequently because we have lots to talk about with No Time to Die. And we're going to be and, on a better uh, time zone soon. So you and I are yes. going to be available more. Woohoo! That's that will be a huge thing as Ben makes his way over to Canada. So we'll be close to the same time zone, uh, only a couple hours apart, and that will definitely increase our chances of being able to record more frequently. Uh, so uh, stay tuned for that. Make sure to like 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 us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. <laughs> Follow us on. We don't have Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. <laughs> Create an Instagram fan page for us while you're at it. Subscribe on uh, wherever podcasts are available. I'm sure you can find us. My name is Colin, and wouldn't it be great to do a song reaction episode for No Time to Die? That would really be dope. Whatever. And my name is Ben, and let me read the iconic lyrics of No Time to Die. That the blood you bleed is just the blood you owe. We were a pair, but I saw you there too much to bear dope. Did I fall?